In this podcast series presented by Boss, we journey into the lives of inspiring creators, artists, and athletes, unearthing the pivotal moments that shape them into the unique bosses and leaders that they are today. Join us as we go behind the boss. In our next episode, we meet American designer Spencer Phipps. If he's not out rock climbing in nature, Phipps is busy continuing breaking the boundaries of sustainability within fashion with his brand Phipps. We dive into the personal story behind the forward-thinking designer and find out just what inspires his creative practice and desire to put our planet first. Spencer, hi. Welcome to the podcast. Hello. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. Let's jump right in. What <laughs> if anyone gave you a piece of advice that set up your journey? Um, if I had to pick one person, I would probably talk about my mom, mm-hmm. who is a bit of a an anarchist hippie sort of character. Mm-hmm. You know, the ex-bra-burning sort of type from San Francisco. Yeah. And she taught me in her own way. I don't know if it was like one single piece of advice, yeah. but it was just a sort of question authority. Mm-hmm. You know, and she lives life by her own rules and does whatever kind of makes sense for her. Yeah. And that's definitely set me up in the way that I have approached anything, for better or for worse. It definitely <laughs> has led to... You know, some issues as a teenager, you can imagine, in school, but um, you start to question everything and, and with myself, you know, my surroundings, and I think it's definitely served me well, especially in terms of the business. Yeah. Growing up with your mum and then growing up in San Francisco, how did that kind of influence you? Uh, you know, I think, and this is just personally, but I think that California represents really the modern living. Mm. You know, it, it's very new style it's you know you have nature there and people mm. appreciate it and again this sort of questioning culture they've been you know very forward in the gay rights movement mm. and you know just breaking down societal norms and trying stuff whether people like it or not yeah and it's got a great cultural history you know you've got the beat movement that mm. was there you've got all the hippies you've got tech you know it's this really interesting mix of arts and science that I think is very unique. Yeah. And what about the fashion of California? (laughs) (laughs) I mean, well, when I talk about the fashion of California, I talk about like when I was a kid, Uh you know, this is like, 80s 90s straight after you burnt your bra yeah you know well she burnt her bra a couple years later you were like you saw the bras getting burnt and and you can go thrifting for all of those burnt bras yeah (laughs) that's definitely what was the fashion like when you were growing up uh it was very cool you know i mean yeah you had skater style and Mm -hmm. very sort of punk rave things happening it's very individualistic approach to to dressing you know, I mean, my next door neighbor was like a hell's angel who cool. had his whole bike and, you know, and his wife and his kid. And it was just very interesting to see the diversity between all the people. You know, you had the Castro and that whole 80s, 90s yeah. gay look of yeah. like, you know, flannels and plaid shirts and yeah. jeans, that kind of clone thing. You know, obviously a lot of tie dye floating of around, crushed velvet, all that kind of good stuff. Oh, I like a bit of crushed velvet as who well. Who doesn't like a bit of crushed velvet? No, a fool would say no to Crash exactly. Velvet. <laughs> Who has been one of your biggest inspirations in your career or in your life? 
I mean, just on a personal level, it's it's hard for me to pick one person. I, I'm a Libra. These sort of questions drive me insane. <laughs> you can do the list. We've got time for a little list. <laughs> I mean, there's just too many to even start. I, I'm yeah. just inspired by human nature, mm-hmm. honestly. And anyone that's kind of overcome things or have sort of weird, for lack of a better word, sort of a compulsion to do yeah. stuff that seems a bit insane. Who's done insane stuff? There must be people that you're thinking of. I mean, like, anyone who's been to the Olympics. Yeah. I mean, anyone that, like, has followed their dreams to do something. Anyone yeah. that's climbed mountains. I mean, have you ever seen, have you seen that documentary, the, what is that, 14 Peaks? This guy from Nepal who just scaled 14 of the world's tallest mountains in, like, something like six months yeah. or eight months. That's quite hardcore. Yeah, and they were like, oh, you're going to die. You're fully going to die. And he's like... <laughs> What did he say? We'll deal with that when it happens, but <laughs> yes. not today, you know? Yeah, okay. I'll do my funeral on the 14th peak. <laughs> exactly. I watched the one about the, the kids in the in the Thai cave, and that was amazing. Because the guys that went to rescue them were like, this is impossible. And did you know what they did to get them out? They drugged them. They put them to sleep. And then they put a mask on them and just, like, winched them out. And halfway through, they had to give them more ketamine because they were waking up. Because they were just freaking it's out. It's insane to just drag these, like, little kids through. What drives you to make the garments that you make? You know, the the kind of base, the way we approach design or the way I approach design is always mm. based on purpose. You know, with, with FIPS or with any design sort of thing that I'm working on, it all boils down to this kind of idea of purposeful luxury, mm-hmm. of things that uh, have a certain utility element to yeah. them. You can have a lot of fun within that framework. You know, it doesn't have to be a basic thing, but there does have to be a certain purpose to it existing. Yeah, for me, that's like the fun of fashion, though, because it's all, it nearly always has a utility. Mm-hmm. You can't really sidestep some functionality. I'm, well, I mean, de- uh, depends on the designer you're talking to, <laughs> you know. Yeah. But there is a certain functionality element to it. And that's what I pick up on mm. in my research or things is, you know, I, even within that is like, what is something very extreme that has one very niche, bizarre purpose? Mm but it's still believable in that sense. I can see what you mean about the utility being quite far you know, removed, but also integral to the piece. Yeah, or, or even on a more utility level. Like, we'll do workwear, but we've done workwear in leopard print. Yeah. That's Why fair. not? Yeah. <laughs> but I, th- I feel like, for me, that's like what I want from my clothes, is for them to feel traditional, but then be like, Meh, a little record scratch. A yeah, exactly. Something that takes us... Well, you want to give it that sort of countercultural yeah. context. For me, at least. That's when I find it interesting. It is interesting. Um, there's a lot of jargon around, like, sustainability. What does it mean for you, personally? First off, like, sustainability for me as mm-hmm. a word, is it's just become this, like, meaningless yeah. gray area of a phrase. It's sort of like a... You sort of slap it in front of anything and... Sustainable, you know, it's it's... Yeah. I prefer to use the word responsible mm. because I think that that describes more the intention, which is really what sustainability is at its root. It's a sort of intent mm. to do better and find better solutions. Yeah, that's kind of the base of it. Yeah, I feel like sustainability is something a lot of people search for without quite knowing what it means. Well, and what, you know, ultimately, what does it mean? aside from sort of a long-term strategy, but what are the quantifiable yeah. data points within sustainability or how do you 
reach sustainability in the truest sense, which you can't. It's actually impossible. Yeah. Well, yeah. And also, I feel like it's interesting when you say quantifiable, because I think the endeavor should be to look after the planet in a way that we can't quantify in our lifetimes, right? It's almost like safeguarding and limiting damage. Yeah, absolutely. Beyond something we can quantify, because we won't be here but to see it pay off. You know, with my own brand and the way that I approach anything, it, it takes a lot of thought and things that go much, much deeper than like things that a customer might even see. It's, you know, they're yeah. like, oh, it's just a hoodie. It's like, well, yes, but mm. there is all of this fact checking and things and, and work that we do behind the scenes to make that hoodie, which is why it's special and why it's unique. What have been some of the biggest challenges in keeping your brand sustainable? Because my feeling of sustainability is once you say that that's what you do, then people are scrutinizing every aspect what, of yes. that process. It's a Pandora's box. <laughs> yeah. Because again, it's not like there is, it's not like a, a finished thing. Yeah. You know, you can't all of a sudden like, I have reached sustainability. Yeah. And where do you draw that line? Especially we're a small business. I don't have some big investor mm. company backing me or some like, huge thing that's you know it's like little me and my tiny little team yeah. figuring it out as we go and it's it's very very complicated and it's led to a lot of like existential crises yeah, also I'm not surprised yeah because at a certain point you have to have a functioning business yeah. you have to have a profitable business because price gets crazy when you're dealing with responsible factories and certain textiles you need to pay a little bit of extra for that fabric because it's organic versus yeah. the you know I can't just go out find some nice thing make some shirts out of it yeah. and sell it and put it in a plastic bag and ship it to the stores. You know, yeah. it's like you have to get the nice bags and put the thing on it and then you're going to sell it for a certain price. You have to make it even nicer yeah. because someone's going to pay 200 bucks for a shirt. Yeah. They, they you know, they want the logo on the packaging and they want to make sure it's delivered in a certain context and yeah, at the end of the day you can really spiral yeah, <laughs> if you're not yeah, careful. Yeah. You know, it's like what printer cartridges do you use in your office yeah. and Oh my God. How, my, what's the heat doing? Yeah, yeah, yeah. My assistant smoked a cigarette and threw the butt on the floor and now I'm a bad person. You know, it's... Yes. And my assistant's been fired immediately. <laughs> How do I sustainably find a new assistant? Um, have you had to make any sacrifices for the integrity of your brand, apart from this assistant? Um, and have they have, uh, uh, and have had any long-lasting effects? You know, I, there's definitely always an issue with the supply chain. Yeah. And... You know, there are a lot of products that I would love to make that I just haven't been able to make. Yeah. Or things like that. Like what? Shoes, bags. Shoes are just inherently... They're just very complicated to... Yeah. They're a complicated product to make, period. Mm. And then only using responsible textiles or things like that, that's like a whole other... Yeah. You know what I mean? Like the sustainability thing is essentially this add-on to any conversation Yeah. where you're like, let's make a nice pair of pants. Already hard. Yes. Let's do that <laughs> while doing it responsibly. And it's yeah. like this whole circus that you have to attach to everything. And it does get very difficult at times. And it would be a lot easier if I just said... If you didn't care if about I just, the planet. If I just decided one morning that I no longer cared. Yeah. Um, and I just wanted to make some cute stuff. Yeah. That sounds fun too, but that not, sounds a fun, little bit right? less responsible. It, it, it changes the way that we approach things, you know? And yeah, we have to focus on, especially in the beginning, like what fabrics can I get? Mm -hmm. Okay, great. Now I can get these 10 fabrics. I can make these garments. Let's try and make those the best we possibly can. Yeah. You know, sort of slowly building this thing.
but it does. Yeah. You're constantly having to negotiate your sort of ethics and your, yeah. <laughs> well, it's like underpinning everything, but also overriding it. Yeah, exactly. Because if you stick to your guns mm. and you make a point of it, you know, at a certain point now, we're, we're a couple years into the business and I don't have to be that sort of like person shouting from the rooftops about how eco-friendly we are because people just know that we do it. Yeah. So I can just operate the business and still doing the stuff, but it's, you know, you don't have to shout at everyone all the yeah. time. What people have responded to in the brand is that, you know, I, I'm out here just honestly trying yeah. whether or not it's working, who knows, but yeah. I would at least like to be the one that, that made an attempt to, and people can see, oh, there is a certain amount of desirability that comes from that or yeah. people responding to that sort of authenticity or that products can be nice that can also be yeah, responsible in their approach. But I, I think you're proving that, like, I don't know how if that myth of eco clothing is really carries any weight anymore. That it's like hemp and yeah, yeah. We have clients who like don't actually know that we do all this work. Yeah, and they just buy it because they're like, oh no, it's just yeah, like this that, isn't a cute shirt. That should be the future. Yeah, exactly. So you started your brand from total scratch. What did that entail? It is a large and complicated thing. Mm. And I think it's, you know, anyone who thinks it's even like already complicated is 20 times more complicated than you realize. Yeah. Um, yeah. You need to identify your customers. You have to deal with uh, setting up your sales, you know, how you're going to get things to stores, yeah. your PR side of things. Then you have to have your network of people to help you with the image of the brand. Mm. You have social media, you have, yeah, the whole production line, which is very, very, very complicated. And mm. as a, Young brand, you're like the last of their priorities. Yeah. And then on top of that, you're trying to do an eco-friendly thing. Little batches of eco-friendly <laughs> goods. And they're like, we have monoliths coming through. Yeah, exactly. We're making 10,000 of this jacket and you <laughs> yeah. want four? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> you know, and then they charge you double for it. So your yeah. prices are a certain thing. You know, it's a very, very complicated thing. Yeah. Um, it's a Herculean task, to say the least. And yet here you are. Somehow. Fighting fit. By the skin of my teeth. <laughs> <laughs> what message would you like to spread through FIPS? I guess the main message is something, I guess, about finding better practices. You know, mm -hmm. there are other ways to do stuff. There's better ways to do stuff. Going back to the very first question of, you know, just question everything. Mm. And I'm out here experimenting with different ways of doing things in the way that we build our products. And, you know, uh, we introduce vintage We've done a lot of things that have been, in hindsight, quite innovative. Mm. I don't necessarily think of it. Like, I'm not like, let's try and break the rules. It's just you sort of, can we make that better? Can we make this better? Can we do this in a different way? Yeah. Well, the, the, it seems to me that, like, you're not just accepting the status quo when you start a garment. You're like, well, this is how it's always been done. Exactly. You're like, wait. Yeah, wait, hang on. Can we do something else? You yeah. know, or yeah, we introduced this whole line of vintage, which no one had ever really thought to do before. Yeah. Because it was just a thing of, I've never bought a new flannel shirt or a pair of jeans in my entire life. Yeah. Why do I need to make one for my brand? Yeah. And waste those natural resources when in fact, like, I'll just find you some nice flannels. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> there you go. And um, what three words best describe FIPS as a brand? Rugged, responsible, and... Maybe countercultural. Good. So what do you think you've learned in your time in the industry in terms of like how it's built your character? What's been character building? I think what I've, what's led me to where I am is, has just been sort of like looking internally mm -hmm. at myself and sort of what makes me different. Mm. 
And what's something that no one else can take from me? You know, it took me a long time to get, for example, my first job in Europe. Uh, yeah. As an American, no one wanted to hire me. And I had to put together a whole portfolio that took years of development. I basically put myself through like my own personal St. Martin's or something, you yeah. know, of just soul searching and who am I? Mm. And no one can change who I am because I, you know, everything's autobiographical. So I pull from my own experiences and my own knowledge of, you know, the universe. Mm. And that has, whenever I do that, it's led me to good, positive decisions. Mm. What is the one piece of advice that you would share with your younger self? Yeah, I don't know. What does younger Spencer need to hear? I think <laughs> that sounds much more like yeah, um, teachery. It does. I think I would just tell myself that like your opinion and you as an individual can do much more mm. than you think and that you even know. Mm -hmm. I just had a bit of a hard time when I was younger. And I think that knowing that earlier on would have... Yeah, it would have been really powerful. Mm. You know, I thought for a long time it was like, I, no one cares. I'm just like sort of existing and I'm in everybody's way and it's it's a bit mm. sad. And I think being able to harness my own individuality and yeah. kind of standing up and just saying, you know, you do matter and you can do great things if you get off your ass yeah. and, and apply yourself. Uh, I think I would even be much further than I am today. Yes, maybe, but maybe... Maybe not. <laughs> I know what you mean. No, Sometimes your journey maybe, has to, you have yeah, to take the journey. You need to... to not, the only way you can really believe in yourself is to have really questioned yourself and not believed in yourself. Do you know what I mean? I mean, I'm constantly. The, your foundation is like, wait, I've interrogated not liking myself and now I believe in myself. It's like, it's, it's almost stronger. Yeah. I, I still doubt myself all the time. I still am constantly. Yeah. You know, I think everyone on a human level is always trying to evolve. Yeah. And seeing where that can take us in terms of, you know, just being the best version of yourself that you can try to be. True, very true. You've been creating these kind of short films and trailers to go alongside your recent collections. Can you talk us through this? Well, I mean, that was basically something that started with COVID. Mm -hmm. Funny enough, like we had been following the system of doing fashion shows and kind of the way a small fashion business grows, yeah. you know, you do presentation, then you do a sort of little fashion show, and then you do a big one. And yeah. this is like, we had done our first really official fashion week show that January pre-COVID, and then yeah. boom, guess what? Fashion week's canceled. And the minute that was even possibly discussed, mm. immediately I sat down with my team and was like, you know, guess what guys, we are now a fashion film production company. Yeah. Like we make movies. Yeah. How else are we going to do it? Yeah. You know? Um, and I personally just have a thing with fashion films in general that are like, no one wants to watch them. Mm. I need to have something <laughs> to watch. Yeah. Otherwise, I'm not paying attention. You want a proper story. You want the emotion of you watching it not to just be the girl looks nice in the dress. Exactly. I know that feeling. Yeah, sure. You know, and on top of that, like how many times have you watched a film or something on TV or, you know, like whatever? I mean, like, that jacket is amazing. Yes. Oh my God. You know, like... Yeah. Sort of integral and incidental at the same time. Mm -hmm. So mm. we've built... I mean, at the time we were working on this collection that was all sort of built around, yeah, American iconography. Mm -hmm. And we thought, why don't we just make a Western? Great. We, we had to get, like, permission from the government mm. to leave France and go to Spain. Because this was, like, 
first lockdown. So we, when will it end? We're just going to go to this We're weird, going to Spain. We're going to Spain. Hola. <laughs> yeah. We went to the south of Spain to this weird part that literally looks like the Grand Canyon. Yeah. Wow. Mm-hmm. And shot this Western over the course of like a week. It was really a game of like, what can you get done? Yeah. With like a shoestring budget in the yeah. middle of a lockdown with the absolute minimum amount of people possible. Yeah. How can you tell a story, not even just of your brand, but within the world of your brand? Yeah, exactly. How can you expand on the world of FIPS? Mm. And how can you also make something that people are going to be interested in watching? Yeah. That's really funny. So we did this short film and we actually sort of like shot it as a trailer. Mm -hmm. Like it's basically a faux trailer. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I don't obviously have like two years and this like huge Hollywood budget to make this thing. So no, it's yeah, but the format was a trailer for a feature. exactly. So we're gonna pretend like it's something really big and do it in a really small way, mm. um, which actually is very easy. Like, yeah, it's a bit of it's quite smart to suggest this big long narrative. Yeah, exactly, and it was really fun, and we had a great time doing it. So we did it again. Um, where do you see Phipps going in the future, and what are some of the things you'd like to keep achieving with the brand? I mean, I have a lot of plans going on there. Yeah. Um, I mean, the first one is kind of a logistical thing. Yeah, we're moving back to the US, yeah. which is very exciting. And I'm looking forward to that adventure. Yeah, the steamboat across the Atlantic. Taking that steamboat, slow and steady. <laughs> <In your laughs> I'm actually just going to be a rowboat. Your vintage you know, I can, I can do the workout. I'm just going to yeah. like... Oh, you're rowing. I'm just going to row there. It's fine. <laughs> also, you know, I'm looking forward to being able to expand our product offering yeah. more. And, you know, I hope that... In a couple of years' time, there's like we're down the road where I can just make whatever I want with the snap of a finger, I like Hugo Boss can. Yeah, you know, it's yeah. like you just sort of like on a whim. I want this. I want that. And yeah, you don't have to have this whole insane battle. You're probably building infrastructures that mean other people can do that in the future. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Those I've seen other it. Parsons graduates <laughs> are going to be like, I'm doing vegan shoes because mm-hmm. I because the pathway is, uh, we know what the yeah, pathway is to it. make that happen. Mm-hmm which is great. What a legacy as you continue to make great work. Um, just my bonus, my bonus question. What three words do you think are the traits that make a good boss? Discipline, mm-hmm. drive, and like inspiration, I mm. guess. Spencer, thank you for joining me on the podcast. It's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you. Happy to be here. Thank you for listening to Behind the Boss with your host, that's me, Raven Smith. If you want to find out more about what it takes to be a boss and the stories behind the inspirational figures of today, make sure to tune in.